2: Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. I am going to start with a little song here, a portion of a song, and then we'll come back and talk about that. Okay, so that uh, chorus from a song was from our guest today, whose name is Victoria Angelhart. Victoria is an inspirational musician, an NLP coach, and professional cuddler based in Maui and San Francisco. She works with people to find freedom from their limiting beliefs. As a featured teacher on the Insight Timer meditation app, Victoria has taught her real method for emotional balance and shared her music with over 25,000 students from around the world, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Welcome, Victoria.
0: Thank you, Cynthia. I'm so happy to be here.
2: So glad to have you, and um, so we're, we're getting the debut of her new song um, right here on Leading Eyes Love Radio, and so I want to turn it over to you right away to tell us a little bit about the song before we play the whole song, which is four and a half minutes long, and then we'll get more into how the song, um, what the thread is between the song and the rest of your work, so go ahead and tell us a little bit more about it, Victoria. Yeah, thank you. This song is
0: called Loud. And it is a women's empowerment anthem for sexual assault survivors. I wrote this song just recently in August. And it is really a deeply moving and very vulnerable song into the effects of women or all people who have suffered from sexual violence, domestic violence, boundary violations, and it's a really beautiful opportunity to feel into the strength and the empowerment that comes from using your voice and speaking up instead of staying small and hiding and feeling shame and guilt. I'm really, really grateful to get to debut it here on
2: Leading Edge. Awesome. Okay, ready to play the whole song then? Let's play it. Okay, here we go. Drum roll, please. could see the goosebumps on my arms (laughs) and my throat very choked up so thank you so much for that talk about an anthem it's like a prayer and an anthem and just an incredibly moving gift for all survivors so thank you for the courage to write that and i can feel your own um what i can imagine transformation to be able to write something like that so Ah, oh, congratulations! And so, why don't you tell us a little bit more about how the song came into being? Mm,
0: thank you, thank. You. It's it's such a gift to get to hear your feedback and the way it touches you. I feel like every single person who has heard loud finds some personal resonance with the with the story, with the message, and it is a deeply personal, um, just look into my own life filled with boundary violations and filled with multiple sexual assaults, with rape, with all of the intimate sexual violence that comes from uh, domestic violence and being in a relationship with an abuser. And I, in August, had experienced a boundary violation that, Felt like assault to me, and it was really triggering to just this whole avalanche of a lifetime of not being heard, not being seen, not being given a chance to say no, and being stuck, being quiet, being small, not having a voice. And I grew up in the South, and I'll talk more about that later, probably. But as I was growing up, it was always women were deferring to men. And I thought that that was the way it had to be. And I didn't know that I could be loud. I didn't know that I had a choice, that I could say no. I didn't know that it wasn't okay to marry an abuser. There were so many things that I was ignorant to. And once I became aware that I could use my voice, I really began my healing journey, and I didn't just start healing through using my voice to speak up, but I used my voice internally in my own body to begin to feel safe in my body again, and something that I think a lot of women can relate to, where we've shut down sexually as a way of of not knowing what else to do because we don't feel safe, so we we stay small, we stay quiet. And in doing sexological body work and in finding a body worker who really helped me to unpack the sexual trauma that I've experienced and who helped to free me from the guilt, from the shame, and from the blame that I've put on myself for the multiple experiences that I've had throughout the course of my life, I was able to really find my voice. And deepen it and it's interesting because you may not have heard any of my other songs but I have a very different sound on Spotify if you look me up as an artist there, Victoria Angel Heart I have four songs out right now and they're actually in the genre what's called hypnotic hymns. Mm -hmm. Um, They're meditation tracks and they're all about really dropping you into your heart space which is what I love to do but they don't have any power in them and that's because I didn't believe that I could use my voice to be loud in music. I thought I needed my voice to be sweet. I thought I needed to show up as this perfect meditation teacher who invoked love and kindness and goodness and sweetness. But there's so much power in me and there is so much vitality and there's so much loudness (laughs) that has been yearning to come out that felt bottled and felt trapped because I was in these cycles of guilt and shame and blame and stigma that doing the work of releasing sexual trauma, doing the work of learning and teaching radical consent in the, in the world of the professional cuddling that I run in has empowered me to write this song, not just for myself, but for the collective healing of women and people with vaginas and people with penises who have experienced the same violations the same taking away of their dignity the same inability to use their voice and i really want this song to be a tool of empowerment for anyone who needs to know that they do not have to live in this victim mentality that they can create consciously a reality in which no matter what they have experienced they do not have to be tethered to it as a victim but that they can find healing they can find freedom
2: so that's the essence of the song. And I really appreciate Beautiful. getting to it Well, yeah, here. that's really apparent. It really comes through. That's what I was saying about you can feel the transformation in it. And when you were talking about being loud, it just reminded me of a conversation I had with a friend earlier today who, whose parents come from a very traditional culture. And so her elderly father um, commented on her that she sneezes too loud. And he didn't say it's, that the noise is bothering me, he said, the sound will bother people. And she was so mm-hmm. put off by that. And I said, well, that, he thinks he's fathering you by t- training you how to sneeze in a like way. <laughs> you <know>? So that's, <laughs> that's his form of like fatherly love. You know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you won't be wanted if you sneeze too loud. Right. So um, mm-hmm. it just made me think of that, how all the ways that we as women are told to be dainty and, and be quiet and sweet, which leads to us not speaking up when we're in these situations um, where we are confronted with a boundary violation. And you mentioned the phrase toxic masculinity in your song, and it can be a controversial phrase sometimes because it, it really is threatening to a lot of men. Um, can you just mm-hmm. briefly explain that term?
0: Yeah. When I, when I wrote this, I knew that the person I was writing about wouldn't understand that what I experienced in our encounter was something wrong because in his view of the world it was normal and it was just something that happened and it was not a big deal. But to me in my own newly formed sense of sovereignty of my body being my temple that can only be touched when the invitations come in any form. Um, I knew that it was not going to land well, And and I saw that it wasn't him, that it was the culture of the way that men think that they have implicit ownership of women's bodies, and I see this a lot. Um, outside of that one particular instance. I see this a lot in my work as a professional cuddler where men just have these assumptions of, as a man, they have the right to touch me this way and to kiss me and to do all of these things without asking, without mm-hmm. any notion of consent. And mm-hmm. for me in the song, uh, the way the the lyrics go uh, Toxic masculinity is that damn strong, but it's a new paradigm. We lift our voices, it's time, me too, me too, calling all my sisters, together we rise. And it's this idea that although toxic masculinity as a form of oppression toward women has been in existence for such a long time, we are now in this stage where women collectively are rising up, are taking our power back, and men are owning up to, wow, I didn't know that that was a problem. And, uh, Susie, I would love to share with you the ultimate healing of this song, Loud. Would you like to know about how it's come full circle from beginning to end? Absolutely. So... I was sexually assaulted on Maui my second week on the island three years ago by a man who did not mean to assault me. He thought I wanted it and he made assumptions that it was okay for him to do what he did because there was an implicit like sexual energy even though it was not, even though it was supposed to be a massage. And I was very traumatized by this, and I've spent many months in therapy and had a lot of physiological symptoms and a lot of um, debilitating headaches from the trauma of being sexually violated by this man who didn't mean to harm me, just thought that it was okay because he assumed I wanted it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what was interesting is when it happened, I froze. But after it was over, I actually had a conversation with him in that moment and said, hey, what you did was assault. That was not right. And I want you to understand that, this, that, that you can't ever do this again. And I need you to understand that you need to ask for consent and that you need a fuck yes before you do anything in a woman's body. Right. And it took me three years, really, to heal the trauma that was put into my body in that one moment. That's that's what the Mm. first lyrics of the song are about and about that experience that I had when he Mm -hmm. put his hands on me. And in just a moment, he changed my life. Wow. So I, I, as I did the sexological body work, as I've been doing Hakomi, as I've been doing uh, clarity breath work, as I've been doing NLP coaching, timeline therapy, all these modalities of healing for three years, I had this ultimate vision of I do not want to ruin his life or make him wrong or make this be a victim-villain story. I want there to be healing here. And so when I wrote Loud, I realized that I wanted to reach out to him and I wanted to make peace and I wanted him to become a part of the process of the healing Mm -hmm. of the song. Cool. And so I actually met up with him on Maui. And we had a Ho'oponopono ceremony where we talked about the impact that this event has had on both of our lives. And he ultimately took responsibility for his actions, told me how it's changed his life, and then offered to put financial support into the creation of this song.
2: Wow, that's amazing. What a story. Ooh. And thank you for sharing that so much. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So, was there like a catalyst in your life that led you to, you know, bringing together your music with helping people um, release their limiting beliefs? Was there something w- mm. where how you grew up or how did you come to create music and do this kind of work together?
0: Yeah. It's. Um, well, I grew up in Kentucky, in the South. Like I was saying a few minutes ago, and I grew up closeted. Um, I. I knew that I liked women since I was four years old, and I couldn't be loud. I couldn't tell anyone that I liked women because uh, my church said I was going to hell. My family said I was going to hell, and so I was closeted until I was 24. And when I was 24, I had been singing at that point since, gosh, like 15 years, but I didn't know that I could sing about things that mattered. I didn't know I could write a song, like, loud. I thought that music was what other people did, and I just sang their songs, and I thought that I just followed the prescriptive life that everyone wanted me to lead, and so I almost married an abuser who had PTSD who had tried to kill me and who had been violent to me because I thought it was normal, and I thought Mm. that I was unworthy of love. I thought I was fundamentally unlovable, and I thought that I was not good enough, and so that was the best I could do. And so the work that that led me into was this moment when I woke up on July 7th, 2014 and realized I had to choose my own radical authenticity, but I couldn't keep going, living to make everybody else happy. I had to choose my own freedom. And in making that choice, I lost everything. I lost my relationship with my family. I ended up losing um, a job and a community that I had built. I lost, obviously, the marriage didn't happen. And I had to rebuild and start from the ground up in my identity. Who am I? At the time, I thought I, I did identify as a lesbian. Now I identify as pansexual. And actually, fun fact, I was listening to one of your guests um, who identifies as omnisexual. And I think mm-hmm. I actually feel really resonant with omnisexual, <laughs> <laughs> which for people listening, the way she described it was as pansexual with preferences. <laughs> Right <laughs> uh, Yeah, so my music really helped uh, Come in after I Started this journey into radical authenticity Because I realized that songs wanted to come out of me That it wasn't so much that I Was meant to sing other people's songs But that, that my own healing My own freedom, my own authenticity Came from my voice And it came through My sexual healing It came through learning unconditional love It came through learning to find the enoughness inside of myself. And that's the work that I do in my NLP coaching uh, with timeline therapy is helping people to break their limiting beliefs, specifically around their worthiness, around their lovability, around their enoughness. And I had to do that for myself before I could do it for anyone else and in finding that freedom through unblocking these things that be, they were just so tall and felt insurmountable, but crumbling those walls has led to things like loud coming out of me and so much coming out of my
2: clients. It's really miraculous
0: how we are so able to heal when we show up to do the work.
2: Exactly. It's really about commitment to um, not staying small, to not, you know, avoiding getting triggered. Um, I've been reading this book, um, The Untethered Soul. Do you know this book?
0: (laughs) That's my Bible. I've read it over a hundred
2: times. (laughs) yeah 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 so he talks about the thorn like you know when we walk around like there's a thorn in us and we just try to avoid having anybody push that thorn in deeper and and really the answer is to just figure out how to get the thorn out of there (laughs) so yeah and so let's let's talk a little bit let's relate this to non-monogamy well first of all tell us how you identify um, what labels do you use for yourself and then how does your work tie in with issues that come up around, around non-monogamy for your clients and for yourself too, if you want to share that.
0: Mm, yeah. So I, after reading Polysecure secure and going through the, the four quadrants of, um, non-monogamy, I was really interested to see that how, who I thought I was and how I thought I identified isn't actually true. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I, I thought that I was only going to be able to identify as ethically non-monogamous, but I truly feel more polyamorous, which mm-hmm. is really interesting to me because I, for a long time, identified love as something that could only happen between two people. Just like I thought I could either be gay or straight, I thought that like I could only be in a relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so my own journey around finding that I feel polyamorous that not as a decision but as an orientation that I was born with has -hmm. come about through my own journey into unconditional love and recognizing that I have this infinite capacity to give and receive love and I can never hold that back to just give it to one person. And the way that's shown up for um, my clients in their work has also been sort of, the, the, the way the limiting beliefs come of who am I? Oh, I can only love one person. I can only love one way. I can only have one label. And breaking through those labels, breaking through the limiting beliefs by recognizing where they started. That's, are you familiar with timeline therapy?
2: Is it sort of like um, family uh, constellations? It's in the
0: same vein. It's, it's uh-huh. pretty different. Uh, the way that timeline therapy works is that it's specifically around limiting decisions, which is what my business is based around, is that you you have this, this gestalt of your um, your timeline from all the way past, past lives, all that out into intimate future. And you are able to pinpoint different Spots on your timeline, and and you can find your timeline actually in relation to your body. And you Mm -hmm. can go to this place in your timeline, and in your unconscious mind, there are positive learnings that want to be preserved. But instead of having preserved those positive learnings in the past, what you've done is you have placed a bunch of stories there, you put those limiting beliefs there, and oftentimes. This happened before you were seven, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're, they're ruling you, right? Like, you have these beliefs around who you are as a person that came when you were three years old.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> when it comes to your beliefs around love and who you should date and how you should show up in the world, your family and the way that you've been um, acculturated, all of that has so – much of an imprint that I work with clients to use timeline therapy to go and find the positive learnings and to reprogram the subconscious mind so that they can create consciously the beliefs that they want to have, to have the happiest, the healthiest, most successful thriving life instead of the one that they were supposed to live or the one that people told them to live. Beautiful.
2: Yeah, I love that you say most of we installed most of our beliefs before the age of seven. That's a big part of the work I do with my clients. Um, we go back to the the big memories um, that are so young when our brain is still in that you know theta brain state where it takes everything literally and it just goes deep into the psyche, and then those wounds keep playing themselves out over and over again in our adult relationships and polyamory and non-monogamy has this way of tweaking them a little deeper, a little faster, a little harder. <laughs> we can't sweep things under the rug as easily as we can in monogamy. So it gives us an incredible opportunity to look at those thorns that are in there so deep, right? And, and move okay. through them. So have you found um, the practice of non-monogamy to be, kind of a transformational path for yourself and or any of your clients? I have found it personally to be
0: the catalyst to the fastest growth, growth like personal growth and spiritual mm-hmm. development of <laughs> pretty much anything. Right. Because <laughs> like you're saying, there's nowhere to hide. You mm-hmm. you can't help but be real, and you have to be in constant communication. And one thing I haven't spoken about that I work a lot with my clients around is nonviolent communication and mm-hmm. really learning to understand your needs and really mm-hmm. learning to understand your feelings and to be able to make these requests and then to, mm-hmm. to, to have the observational skills to not put all those judgments <laughs> and all of those right those stories and to be able to really have so much compassion for your partners and see their perspective and their needs and their feelings. And then to, to understand that it all comes back to love. And I think for me and for the clients I've worked with is really a lot of it is worthiness. And Mm -hmm. really in polyamory, I found that letting myself, feel deeply on a thematic level that I am worthy to receive love and that I'm worthy to give love even if it feels imperfect or messy,
2: all of that has been life-changing. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that. It all comes back to love. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a second. But first, I just want to say for those that have joined us late, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. And this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. And I want to let you know that if you go to my website, you can find a really fun quiz called How Suited Are You for Ethical Non-Monogamy? You can find out by taking the quiz. And my website is sumatisparks.com, S-U-M-A-T-I, Sparks, as in Sparks are Flying. And when you request the quiz, you'll be automatically added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to learn about my virtual events. And to receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information on how to add more love, passion, and joy to your life, I don't send out too many emails. Um, And then we're talking with Victoria Angelheart, who's an inspirational musician. We debuted her song earlier, so please listen to the recording if you came in late. Beautiful song about surviving sexual assault, and so many of us can relate to that experience, particularly those in female bodies, but of course, men as well have been victims of that. And really it's about not being a victim and not living in that victim space anymore. So um, just so happy to have Victoria here. And we're talking about right now, we're talking about how her work with her music and her NLP and uh, communication techniques help people who are non-monogamous and polyamorous. If you have any questions for Victoria, you can give us a call at 657-383-1132 and you'll be put on hold. So you won't interrupt us. We'll come and get you off the call when, when we're ready to talk to you. So feel free to call in at 657-383-1132. So what we were talking about, what I want to get back to is I love when you said it all comes back to love. And then you also said it often comes back to worthiness. And when you can see Feel deeply on a somatic level your worthiness. So how, what does that mean? Because a lot of people don't know what that means to feel deeply on a somatic level. And so how do you go about doing that so that you really get that you're worthy?
0: I have found one of the simplest techniques of creating a sense of worthiness is combining loving kindness meditation with eye gazing. And that's something that I do on my own, and that's something that I do with my uh, one-on-one clients uh, for my NLP coaching. And it's something that I do every single time I do a professional cuddling session. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really mentioned much about my role as a professional mindfulness teacher. I'm a featured teacher on this app called the Insight Timer. It has about 20 million active users, and I have two courses there as well as uh, over 150 guided meditations. And what I do when I go live there is I teach my students there and really anytime I'm around people this idea of worthiness through being seen and letting yourself see because so often – we think that we, well, we have all these stories that keep us from seeing ourselves clearly. I don't know. Are you familiar with the four agreements? You must be, right? Yes. This idea that, like, we're foggy mirrors all the time. And suddenly this guy woke up and realized that he could see clearly, but everyone else around him had the foggy mirror. And it's mm-hmm. when we look into our own eyes or the eyes of another with a sense of loving kindness that we can oftentimes really touch in dramatically to worthiness. And I teach a practice on the insight timer. One of my courses is called head into heart space that I created called head to heart space breathing. And it's really simple and we can do it together right now. And if anyone who's listening has a mirror, you can do it in the mirror, but essentially you bring one hand to your belly and one hand to your heart and you can invoke loving kindness phrases. Or you can actually just deeply feel into first connecting into the breath and then in a moment connecting into the sense of loving kindness. So with the hand that's on your belly, I'll just drop us into a very, very brief two-minute meditation. Just taking three deeper and slower breaths than usual in through your nose and out through your mouth. Wow. <sighs> And with each slow, deep breath, just tuning into a sense of gratitude for the breath in your body, breathing you right now. And as you tune in, letting yourself feel worthy of this breath, this aliveness, this energy of life force that is already effortlessly breathing you, and you don't have to do anything to deserve it. Feeling connected here, rooted down, grounded, connected to your breath, the sense of gratitude for the life force flowing through you and then feeling the hand that's here on your heart. And if you're looking into the mirror, looking into your own eyes and seeing your goodness, and if you have your eyes closed, just imagining yourself in front of you, perhaps like you're a small child, and imagining this pure version of yourself or just looking into your own eyes And connecting in beyond your appearance right now, beyond the judgments and the stories that you've told about yourself, beyond all of the ways in which that you think that you are not good enough, you are not complete, whatever it might be, seeing that if you look a level deeper, you can find a sense of innate goodness. But there is some kindness, there is some compassion, there is some beauty here in your eyes and you can feel it here in your chest where your hand is on your heart. You can even really touch into a sense, perhaps in this moment, it can be subtle or it might be profound. Of, wow, there is a sense of warmth here, a sense of openness, a sense of goodness, a sense of loving kindness. Not for anything you've done, but just an inherent sense of this is who I am. And so looking into your eyes, just visualizing, imagining, feeling, connecting to this goodness and this gratitude as you deepen and slow your breath for three more breaths as you really breathe in and let it fill you up. And breathe out and radiate it out into the space. Breathing in and connecting into your inherent worthiness. Breathing out, recognizing the inherent worthiness of all. One more, really integrating and letting it fill your whole body up. And you might, as you breathe out, hear a cow moving in the background. Because I hear the cow <laughs> moving in the background. I'm just letting it bring you back <laughs> into the room. When I'm on Maui, there's always a rooster crowing. So here exactly. in Virginia today, there's a cow mooing.
2: <laughs> well, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I feel the intention and the embodiment of that. Tell us a little bit more about your um, cuddling practice and how that ties into everything. So that is one of the,
0: um, how would I say it? It's, My work as a professional cuddler is sort of a ruse because you would think that a professional cuddler is just there to uh, satiate your physical desire for touch. But what I'm actually doing as a professional cuddler is teaching mindfulness skills. And I teach, uh, I do professional cuddling in the Bay Area where there are way too many burned out. Stressed out tech professionals who are touch-starved and are working all the time and not getting these somatic needs met, and they're not getting their emotional intimacy needs met, and they're definitely not getting physical intimacy needs met. So my work as a professional cuddler is to help them really stop being human doing. (laughs) They're always doing all the time and to come back into their bodies and to feel what it's like to be a human being. And more than anything, working with me in the professional cuddling context is an opportunity for both men and women do this work with me to really experience unconditional love through platonic intimacy where there's no sexual pressure, there's no need to perform, there's no need to impress. It's just a very relaxed and mindful present environment to learn what it's like to look at someone, to be seen, to let yourself be held, to be nurtured, to be supported and loved physically and emotionally while getting to really experience presence in a way mm-hmm. that
2: we are usually distracted. Wonderful. Um, Victoria, it looks like we have a caller. Are you ready to take their question? Sure. Okay. Hi. I'm Hello, really
0: interested are. in this Hi. I'm really interested in this professional cuddling thing. I've never heard anything about it. Can you tell me a little bit more about how I might learn more about it or find you or or how I might go about working with you? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your question. What's your name?
2: My name is Josh.
0: Oh, Josh. Nice to meet you. I am Uh, On a website, it's called Cuddle Comfort, and I'm one of the professional cuddlers there in the Bay Area, and when you look on the website, you will find a wide variety of people who offer uh, lots of different types of cuddling, and I have a specialty there that I created called Beyond Cuddles. So instead of just getting to sort of hang out on the couch and watch a movie together or, um, or just sort of... chilling or relaxing we are actually really intentionally setting a container for your own healing and for your own relaxation and enjoyment and the way that beyond cuddles works is i have like a menu of different types of cuddles like beyond communicating beyond and beyond intimacy and so depending on which one you pick there's a few more options we will customize the session between an hour and three hours to really help you achieve your maximum relaxation and to feel a sense of this deep, unconditional love and platonic intimacy. And, uh, Josh, one important thing that I teach that maybe you're already aware of, but a lot of guys aren't, is this idea of radical consent, which is that every body, every human body is theirs, and it's theirs first and foremost. And when we practice professional cuddling, guys are sometimes awkward and don't really know what they can do or how they can do it. And they um, are often really uh, shy and maybe don't want to touch, but some guys are very handsy and think that they can just put their hands wherever they want. And so I teach radical consent as a way of helping everyone feel safe and everyone feel comfortable so that no one is um, having any touch force upon them, but instead we just ask. So I'll ask you, would you like me to put my hand here? And you can say yes or no. And there's absolutely no obligation either way. It's just simply being mindful to what is your body a yes to. So does that answer your question? It does. And I have a follow-up question to that. And you mentioned the awkwardness. I'm a little bit of an awkward person. And I'm wondering, how do you deal (laughs) with the initial tension there and the awkwardness or the discomfort as you start? That is one of my favorite moments of cuddling is the awkward first impression. And I immediately remedy it through mindful hugging. That's been one of the fun things that I teach I um, learned when I was living at a Buddhist monastery was getting people to really sink into a 20 plus second hug. And so when I meet a new client, the first thing I do is I look at them and just take a moment to make eye contact. And then I say, hey, I'd love to teach you mindful hugging. It will probably help you feel a more relaxed and at ease. And then I show them sort of how to place their hands. And I teach them that we will breathe together slowly and deeply and then we do the experience and usually by three breaths they're melting into me and by five breaths they feel right at home.
2: Hmm. That sounds <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in Josh. And what what was the name of that Did website again one more time? Yeah, it's called Cuddle Comfort. Cool.
0: And my username and on there is ramen angel I'm like ramen noodles <laughs>
2: oh great
1: <laughs>
2: okay fabulous well thank you it sounds really great um thanks again for calling and josh thanks for having me yeah um so i've heard that cuddling creates oxytocin is that true from what you've learned and what are the benefits of that if it's if it's true Oh, absolutely.
0: And I must say, at one point in my life, I had all of these facts and statistics around mindfulness and the benefits of meditation and the benefits of cuddling. And I have forgotten most of them. So I don't want to sit here and pretend I can tell you all of the the scientifically proven benefits, but I'll tell you (laughs) anecdotally what I have found to be true for, gosh, I've cuddled hundreds of clients at this point, has been that. When you get that sort of oxytocin hit and then you start to feel the sense of deep relaxation, a sense of somatic safety in the body arises where you can feel finally like you can let your guard down and you can finally be at you where your nervous system is not in fight or flight mode anymore and one of the my like signature cuddle moves is to have the person sit in front of me with their head on my chest and I wrap my hands around them where one hand is on their chest and one hand is on their belly and that practice that I did earlier, the head to heart space breathing, I actually do that with them as a way of letting them understand um, are you familiar somebody, with the idea that sometimes we're breathing high up in our chest and other times we
2: are breathing Low in our belly. Yes, that's what I've learned from yoga is to breathe deep in your belly first.
0: Yeah, exactly. But so many of us, when we're especially when we're caught in fight or flight, we're unable to do that, and we are breathing quickly, and we're breathing rapidly and shallowly, and sort of jaggedly up in our chest. And so I actually really I use my hands and my body in my breath to teach my clients how to find and access deep belly breathing. And we do it together and they can feel my belly going out and they can feel the relaxation that starts to come when they actually drop down into their bellies. And then I teach them, hey, you know what? You just did this here in a cuddle, but what would happen if you did this at your office when you were feeling really stressed out 10 minutes before a meeting? And they come back to me and tell me, thank you. I am now a lot more able to be productive and not get overwhelmed. And that is really a beautiful gift to see that things that happen in a cuddle session can have a tangible impact in the work life and also in relationships.
2: Mm -hmm. And so what about the chemicals? Because I was thinking like in the beginning of the pandemic when we were all isolated that I was eating too much because I wasn't getting touched enough. And I was wondering if there's a connection there. Or was it just my excuse to eat cookies? <laughs> you know, I have never heard anyone say that. I wish
0: I knew the answer to that. I, I hope that somebody listening knows the answer to that because I haven't ever thought about a correlation between the lack of touch and wanting to do that. However, I sort of steering us in a, a, a little bit of a different direction. The work that I do in my Unwind Your Mind program um, that combines NLP coaching and timeline therapy, sometimes with the cuddling work if clients are interested in that, has to do a lot with mindful habit change. And the number one thing I have supported clients with during the pandemic has been breaking their bad habits around food. Mm. So it's interesting that that's what you bring up.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, in the beginning, it was just us at home with the refrigerator and the only thing that was open was the grocery store. so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> became our best friend for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So can survivors of sexual assault benefit from cuddle sessions?
0: They absolutely can. And one of the modalities I'm training in right now um, is sexological body work, which really helps people uh, to be able to find safety through learning to direct their own healing sessions. And one of the interesting things about doing either sexological bodywork, professional cuddling, or just really any sort of healing modality is that you take your own power back when you start talking about it generally. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. for so many people is the hardest step, that people don't know anyone else who's had the experience because nobody's talking about it. Right. And so just knowing that somebody else has had this experience and can listen and understand and can really empathize from a place of lived experience. I think that is, is honestly one of the best, the best things that I can offer as a practitioner and, and know that exists in the world. It's just that we can support and lift each other up through knowing that we are not stigmatized by the things that have happened to us and that they do not define who we are.
2: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So you mentioned that you're a featured teacher and you told me when we were setting up this interview that the app that you teach meditation on is the, the largest free meditation app. So mm-hmm. what does it mean for you to be a featured teacher? And um what how did you get to be that and like how, what are you teaching on there overall? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I actually, it's a hilarious
0: accidental story. I started teaching mindfulness in Denver in 2017, and there was a snowstorm, and I recorded one of my classes that students couldn't make, and they told me to upload it to this app called Insight Timer so they could listen to it. So I uploaded it. Uh, thought that it was going to my group of seven people, and it got over a 1,000 listens in the first 24 mm. hours. Wow. <laughs> I, was, I was astounded. I had no idea what the app was or anything. Um, and since that time, I have uh, released over 100 guided meditations specifically for sleep and for insomnia. I suffer from insomnia and have found guided meditations to be one of the most effective ways of actually sleeping through the night. So uh, if anyone is listening and you also have insomnia, Insight Timer, my teacher page there, you can find me uh, by searching my name, Victoria Angel Heart. There are many sleep meditations. And as a featured teacher, I go live a few times a week, and I have that I offer a 21-day course on something that I created that I would love to just briefly mention, which is called the REAL method for emotional balance.
2: And Mm -hmm, REAL
0: is an acronym that I think everyone can use even if you feel like you're a pretty emotionally balanced person things will always happen that will knock us off center and this is a quick and effective method to really get your feet back underneath you quickly so the real acronym is r Recognize, and so you can recognize uh, whatever the difficult emotion is that you're undergoing so we'll just say anxiety So recognize, you can even say to yourself out loud, I am anxious. And fun fact, did you know that just by naming the emotion that you're feeling, your amygdala starts to calm down? Mm. That's great. Fascinating. Yeah. So you start by recognizing your emotion, and then you experience it in your body. And this is one of the things that um, really differentiates me from other teachers on the impact timer because I really focus a lot on searching for and being able to find language to describe the physical sensations in the body, uh, in the experience. So it might be like tightness in the chest or tingling hands or pulsing heartbeats, something like that. And then you move into the A, which is to allow it. And in Buddhism and in most spiritual traditions, there's this idea of equanimity, which is like this idea of allowance. But I put NLP into it where I, instead of having this statement, I am anxious, we change it and we say, I have anxiety or I Mm -hmm. have anger, I have Mm -hmm. whatever. And in doing that, we take our power back because we know it's not something pathologically wrong with us. We can just recognize it's energy in motion as an emotion. And then the L is after we have allowed whatever we feel physically in our body to be there, whatever emotionally is happening through us we then let go with love. And the idea of letting go with love isn't to force it to go away or to make it wrong or bad, but to just say, hey, I love and accept this too. This is okay. Even if I don't like it, I can love that this is happening because of what it's teaching me. A lot like polyamory, right? Like we don't
1: always like the experiences that we have mm-hmm. when we're
0: being mm-hmm. poly, but we know that we're really we're, we're going through the fire so that we can learn, we can heal. So the letting go with love peace is what really solidifies. You can actually do it by nurturing yourself, by putting your hand on your heart and your belly, by touching yourself in some other way that feels soothing so that you can feel more grounded in your body, you feel more centered, and you're more able to actually have that emotional balance. And it can happen mm-hmm. really, you can do the whole method in between one and three minutes. Well, I missed what the E was, recognize Uh, allow and let go. Oh, experience. Yes, and that's the part about really somatically experiencing it. Like, what do you feel in your body? Is it tight? Is it heavy? Is there pressure? Is there temperature? That kind of thing.
2: Yeah, that's perfect. I do that with my clients. Like, where is that feeling in your body? And bring them down into their body. Our work is very similar. (laughs) Um, One other question I have about your real method is um, is Oh, I lost the question. Let go. Oh, so when you say I love and accept myself, with, uh, about I love and accept this too, it reminds me of emotional freedom technique or tapping where you say, you know, blah, 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 and I love and accept that too. Is there a way that you can combine EFT with the real method? You know,
0: I have actually been wanting to train an EFT for the entire pandemic because I started using it during the pandemic and found it to be incredibly effective and Mm -hmm. also was very surprised at some of the similarities in what I had created. So Mm -hmm. stay
2: tuned. That is something I would love to create in the future for sure. Great. So maybe that that might show up on the Insight Timer app? Absolutely, yes. So right now I have two courses there, and I'll have a third course. Uh, coming out in the next few months.
0: And I'm starting um, a, a a program with them in
2: January called Let Go of Stress and Let Love In. Well, you are quite the prolific creator, Victoria. I'm really impressed. Um, before we run out of time, if there's anything else you want to say about the common thread between all the various things that you're doing in the world in your life and the offerings, and then uh, let our listeners know how they can reach you and Anything else you want to say to our listeners? We've got about three, four Hmm. minutes.
0: Yeah, I will just say that all of the work that I do in the world is to really promote finding freedom. And radical authenticity and empowering people to be vulnerable and courageous in speaking their truth and knowing that they're safe to do so and that they they are worthy of unconditional love and it is their true nature. And you mm-hmm. can find my songs that are about that on Spotify if you look me up as Victoria Angel Heart or wherever you stream your music. And my new song, Loud, is um, is available right now if you're listening before November 11th, 2021 on Bandcamp only. So you can find it at victoria-angel-heart.bandcamp.com. And you can find the song loud there. It premieres on all streaming services. Plus the music video comes out on 11 I always pick the angel number date for my oh, release. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will be creating a series of programs that will also be debuting on 11.11. I can give listeners just a short little snippet that I will be creating a group program called Live Loud that will be about loud, this song, and about women's empowerment. That will be debuting in January as well as my new course on the Insight Timer called Let Go of Stress and Let Love In, which is happening on January 8th, which you can find on my teacher page on the Insight Timer by looking me up at Victoria Angel Heart. And I also do one-on-one NLP coaching And timeline therapy in a 12-week program called Unwind Your Mind, which is on our little graphic and probably also on the blurb underneath listening to this. It's my website, unwindyourmind.co, where you can find out about how to use um, timeline therapy and NLP to break your limiting beliefs so that you have a more successful and a less stressful life, especially in relation to issues of worthiness and lovability and um, enoughness. So I think that's most of what I'm up to right now. So yeah, I just want to really say thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely to get to talk and connect and to find out how
2: similar our work is. Yeah, it really, you know, I, I was talking to a spiritual coach and I we found that our work was very similar because it's just different doorways that our clients enter. And once they're in, it all comes back to our connection with Source and who we really are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. I love how you really did tie everything all together in the end, and you know, bring it back to <laughs> you know the worthiness and the love that we are. It's also true that so much about what I've found as well in my 25 years of coaching and practicing ethical non-monogamy. So, really a delight to meet you, Victoria. Again, thank you for coming on the show. And I wish you the best of luck with all your upcoming projects and may your song spread far and wide to all the people who need its healing.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Cindy.
2: Okay. Have a good night. You too. Okay. So if you're still listening, I just want to let you know that next week on Leading Edge Love Radio, we will have Betty Martin who created the, um, the wheel of consent, a very powerful tool. And so this kind of goes, um, continues the theme of radical consent. She goes into detail about in her wheel of consent about all the different ways that we touch and make contact with each other. So it's, these will be good, uh, co episodes uh, for us to learn about radical consent. So please join us next week at six, P.M. Pacific Time on Leading As Love Radio. This has been your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Good night, everyone. Okay, round two. Name
0: something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?